This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Welcome to Ages and Icon. I'm Mike Crisologo, and I'm here with Gina Bucci. You always call yourself the sidekick, but uh, no, today th- this I'm time in- you were the hero. Yeah, I was the hero. Yeah. That's true. And I was like the, the poor sap tied to the tracks and needed to be saved. <laughs> you were the one who came in and swooped in and saved me. Well, I mean, Mike wasn't feeling well. Like, he wrote some questions, and I went to go uh, interview George Strombolopoulos and, uh, for the new audiobook uh, from Audible called uh, Never Ending Present. So tell us about it, Mike. Yeah, well, basically, um, yeah, we, we George Strombolopoulos, everybody knows, a very famous broadcaster, uh, Interviewer, talk show host, Strombo. Strombo. Uh, he he's narrating the audiobook "Never Ending Present" mm-hmm. by Michael Barclay, uh, the story of the tragically hip. And we had been scheduled to go to his home to interview him. And the morning of, I was not feeling very good at all. Uh, I came to work. We decided, you know what? I'm just not feeling great. Gina, he, can you do it on your Mike own? Mike didn't look his uh, beautiful, fresh <laughs> self. And you, like so you, I stepped up. I, I had prepared the questions. You were not prepared to interview, but you did it anyway. And from yeah. what I hear, you did an amazing job. So we kind of tag teamed it. Right. I also, uh, I know a lot about the hip of as course, well, being yeah. a, a fan myself. And uh, um, I've, I know George a little bit too. So yeah, no, I felt very comfortable doing it. It was fine. Um, you, you, the audience may hear me reading a little bit, but <laughs> I, I do try and make some of the questions my own. Yeah. Um, but it was great. Yeah. So, I mean, the the book itself is the first sort of uh, biography of the tragically hip. It, it's not uh, with the participation of the band. They're notoriously sort of media shy. But this is a big deal. Uh, Strombo, obviously uh, a huge hip fan, close to Gord Downey. Uh, he even had the big Hip 30 celebration, the 30th anniversary celebration of the hip that he organized for his show. Uh, and I believe it was New Year's Day uh, 2017. We had a whole bunch of great Canadian bands, Blue Rodeo, Bare Naked Lady, Sarah Harmer, cover uh, hip tunes. And so uh, he's yeah, a great... Yeah, we talk about that. He did that at his house. Yeah. Right, yeah. And he's he's a great choice to narrate this audiobook. Um, what was it like for you to go to his house and sit down with him uh, at his home to oh, talk about a, this? He has a lovely home. Um, and then he made me a uh, the best vegan cheeseburger I've ever had. I See, mean it. It was incredible, so, <laughs> actually. There's so many oxymorons in that. I know. Vegan burger, oh, vegan me, I cheese. I mean, everything. Everything was vegan, and uh, George kept saying uh, it bleeds, it bleeds. I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> but it does look like it bleeds. I don't know what's in there, to be honest. It just tasted fantastic. It was nice and light. I didn't feel bogged down. Uh, it was excellent. So George had you over, did the interview, and then cooks you lunch. Yeah, and then cooks me lunch. That's He's incredible. The best. I've never had that happen before. I know. I so, should have that happen more often. I, I should bring you more often, too. Maybe I would get some lunches. You're probably... Yeah. <laughs> they take a liking to you, and well, uh, there, I'll just... I think he was making lunch for people anyways, because he had a few people around there anyway, so... Uh, don't yeah. sell yourself short. Sure. You're very personable. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> and... Um, Yeah, you know what? Speaking of personable, you guys can get to know us even better by listening to all of our shows. And now we are available on a whole bunch of different platforms, Mike. It's very exciting. I I know. Not only do we have our own dedicated page on everythingzoomer.com, look for Mm -hmm. ages and icons. Uh, We're also available on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, 
And am I forgetting anything? No, but if I am, I will fill you in again next week. <laughs> and you can check it out, everythingzoomer.com. I'll have all the details. Um, d- the David Sedaris podcast, which is yeah. doing very well. And that's where we um, unveiled the show on different platforms. We're like, now's a great time to expand. Absolutely. We're moving up in the world. Moving on up to the side <laughs> where our podcasts get to live on different platforms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And from Gina's acapella to some more uh, great music, uh, let's go to your interview, Gina. Your mm. your one on one with George Trombolopoulos talking never ending present. Okay, here we go. Okay, uh, well, welcome to the Ages and Icons podcast, George. Thank you for having me. And uh, today we're talking about uh, the new Audible book you're doing called Never Ending Present, the story of Gore Downey and the Tragically Hip. So what does it mean to you to be the voice of this book on Audible, given that there are likely lots of people who have come to know the story of the Tragically Hip through your recording? Uh, this is a band I care deeply about, and uh, they, their impact on me and us in this country is not insignificant. So when I was first approached to do it, I took that seriously because I care deeply about them. Um, it's not the kind of thing that I had set out to do, but I wanted to make sure that, and there are a lot of people who could have done it this way for sure, but I wanted to make sure that it was done by somebody who really did care about the band and care about the story and, and understood the story. Yeah. Um, so that's why I did it. So then tell us about your interactions with Gord Downey and the band over the years. Like, How did you come to know them as a fan or personally or, and also as a journalist? You know, I met them, the first time I met them, I don't remember when it was, but it was 20 years ago at least. Um, I was doing, I think I was working at a radio station at the time and uh, I had to interview the band. So they were opening up the Hershey Center in Mississauga, they were opening up the Air Canada Center. So they were doing these things and my radio station was broadcasting from the location and that's how I met them. So I would do an interview with them, different members of the band. I think the first time I interviewed Gord was on his solo record, the Coke Machine Glow yeah. record. Which a song of, uh, from that album is the name of this book. Uh-huh. Is That's it right, yeah. Never Ending Present. Never Ending Present, yep. yeah. And uh, yeah, I liked them. I liked the band. You know, I was getting a motorcycle license when I was a teenager, and I remember I was in a parking lot. That's where you get getting the motorcycle license at Humber College. And there was this bleached blonde girl wearing cut-off shorts and cowboy boots. And she used to throw booze can parties in the gay village in Toronto. She was the coolest girl I'd met to that point. And uh, we're, she was taking the motorcycle course too. And when I was a teenager, she was probably 17 as well. And we got in the car, my mother's Pontiac, and we were gonna go get lunch in between motorcycle courses. And she was going through my cassette collection of all my music in the car. And she picks up Road Apples by the Tragically Hip and she looks at it and she goes, awesome. And that was like, oh my God, this cool girl just totally endorsed this. You know, It was one of those moments as a teenage boy where you're like, oh my. It was a really big moment. But So that's not why I like to hit with the band, but I, that's how but far back that's how far <laughs> back we go with them, right? It's just like they meant something. And they were like this bar band that, that, were, that were more than that. There's Each member of that band does their own thing. So I think coming to know them as a fan early was important. But then getting to know them as, a, as, as an interviewer and as a music radio and TV person was always fun. The hip never really like did any flag waving or any, they never tried to be Canada's band, but we made them a de facto Canada's band. Why do you think Canadians have embraced the band so much as like our national band? I think the band 
came about at a time when Canadian identity was changing. Um, you know, Canada, so much of Canada is tied to small town, hockey, World War II, and slightly after it narratives. That's the Canada um, that we've been sold. You know, the late 80s, early 90s, Canada's changing, the culture's changing. Um, we're getting older as a defined nation, whatever that means, and, or as a named nation called Canada. But I think it was just a good time, and they sounded great, and they wrote really cool songs, and they didn't write that much about Canada. That's what's really funny about the band. People think they did, but they didn't. It's like any really powerful piece of art. It almost doesn't matter what the artist meant. It's how you feel. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Canada felt something with the hip. I mean, think about it, a bar band. Well, they got a couple songs, uh, big ones that were about hot hockey references. A couple of them, but yeah. even, even, the, even fireworks. That's something you need, I think. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, we're, this is an easy country to impress yeah. if you're doing that kind of stuff. But even fireworks, which mentions hockey, is about when a woman takes your attention away from hockey. Right? Like, that's what that was about. You know, you, sh you know, you held my hand, we walked home the long way, and you were loosening my grip on Bobby Orr. Like, that's a big moment in every kid's life where you grow up listening and watching the stuff that your parents do, and then suddenly you make your own choices. And that's what I think they were doing. The Bill Barilko story in 50 Mission oh, Cap. That got me interested in that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's a song about a tragedy, right? But they're also the band that wrote about David Milgard, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, they need to do that kind of stuff. Or musicians needed to do that. So I think that was important, but they didn't write as much about Canada as people think. Um, but the hip have a poetic heart. And I think at the time, Canada was ready for a poetic heart, a new one. We had Joni, Neil, Gord, Lightfoot. So we've done it, and we certainly embraced it. But it had been a minute since we had a new one. And, and Downey, a good rock one. Yeah, and Downey fit the bill. Like yeah. Downey fit the bill, Danny wrote the lyrics. They were kind of elusive. They played that small town thing you know, that, that Canadians love en masse. And yeah, they're just special. You don't get many Gord Downies. You don't get many Tragically Hip. I agree. For me, it was the flair. Like, I, I, that's what drew me into it. What do you mean, like his performance? Yes, because um, I, I love uh, the Talking Heads. And for me, it just reminded me kind of like our version of David Byrne almost, you know, just he, kind of do his own thing, dance, dress. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, Downey's an artist for sure. I think Gord would appreciate the art and passion that went into this book. I think the band would, I don't know, like I haven't talked to them about it. It's more that somebody had to tell the story. And Michael Barkley's a good writer. And this is an important band and someone needs to tell the story. And I think it's important for the hip to tell their own story. And I think it's important for other people to tell their own story as well because songs have two lives, right? There's the song you record and then there's a the song you play for the audience. Gord used to say that was the completion of a song is when you played it. And when you play it for an audience, the song belongs to the audience now. The artist gets paid, but the song belongs to the audience. Mm -hmm. And That's I, any form of artwork. Right. And it's that's no longer why, yours when you put it up there. Right. And that's what I think this book is too. You know, the band exists as the band, and then the band exists as the relationship between them and us. And I think that's really important for lots of people to tell the story of the artists that have impacted them. Most of the great art that we like, we weren't around for it. We weren't around for Mozart or Beethoven. But Glenn Gould, most people didn't see Glenn Gould play, but Glenn Gould changed all of recorded music because those people talked about it. And I think it's really important for storytellers to tell stories about storytellers. And I think that that's why books like this are important. 
What do you think that you bring um, that's a little different or surprising to this Audible book? I'm a pretty casual fella, which you've probably figured out. Mm -hmm. And so I don't read proper, like I'm not that guy who is sit there and talk and read the book like this. There's emotion. I had to stop myself from crying like 20 times reading this book. It's, it's a, so I'm, I'm me. I'm just a real person who just happens to have been on the air for a long time. So, but that's it. So this book, I, I don't, I've certainly listened to a lot of audio, audiobooks. When I go on these road trips, I listen to audiobooks and I love it. My favorite ones are the ones where I feel like there's a real connection between the reader and the story. So I'm not in the band, I wasn't a part of the band, so I'm not connected in that way, but I am connected in that as a big fan and as somebody who's been lucky enough to be in their company and be a part of really special moments with them, um, I knew that I would respect the story and respect the band. Um, and look, there's things in this book that I disagree with. Um, and I told that oh, to yeah, Mike. Like there's a lot of stuff. And Michael and I talked about it on the street. It's just like, you know, whenever you're writing about culture and you're writing about a time, I'm not saying facts, it's not about facts. Like when you're writing about culture and writing time, it's, you're going to have debate because you're, you're going to have different relationships with the story. And I know that when I read this book, I brought a really human, a really human a layer to it because it's a human story. And, and I knew those guys, not super well, but well enough that I, that, that, that I, want, that I respected it. Yeah. Well, you also organized the hip 30th anniversary celebration. And we did this right here in this living room. Because this was this, you organized this before you found out Gord was. Oh yeah, was way Ill? before. Yeah, way before. We were doing it just to honor the so, hip 30th anniversary, right? How did that evolve then? Once you found that out, I think what happened was it took on a different gravitas when we put it out. Well, well so I mean, we, we reached out. Yeah, we reached out to a bunch of artists and said, "Hey, we're doing this thing to honor the band. It's really important to us and our show and me." I'm not interested in exploiting anybody or anything, ever. And I don't like getting over on somebody else's joy or pain, right? I just like connecting you with good music and great art or whatever that is, or conversation or ideas. So the hip were reaching this 30th anniversary. I feel like a lot of people didn't really understand the impact of the hip. I feel like when anything's been around for a long time, the audience takes it for granted. Certainly Canadians do. And they just go, oh, that's like part of the background. But I don't think people really... Hundred percent, hundred percent. You also have to give that time. You have to give time for other bands to become inspired and musicians to become inspired. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that people take things for granted. I, I, I do, but that's natural. I think so. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You see it all the time. And then when a band goes on their farewell tour, then everybody goes, "Oh my God!" Oh, yeah. Right? You know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Philosophy, right? And people, of course, love the hip, but I think people. The challenge for any band is when you have a lot of hits early, is that your audience wants those songs. What people don't realize is that the stuff the hip were doing in the second half of their it's career, best, yeah. it's incredible. Mm -hmm. It was incredible music, incredible art, incredible lyrics, the bass lines, the guitars, the drums, it was incredible. So that's what I'm saying. People don't really, people want Def Leppard to play the song from the second record or the third record, right? They don't care about the new stuff. People didn't want, you know, not that people didn't want new stuff You're from the hip. You're comparing the hip to Def Leppard. I'm comparing the hip to any band that's been around a long time. Okay. If you think about it, how many bands have been around 30 years with four people? The, or the, not four, the same, the same members for 30 years. You right. could count it on one hand, pretty much. Bands who've had that kind of run, right? So I think that the hip clearly got their due, but there was more to them than just their due. And I... I mean, you took a look at that farewell tour. Look at like that, like what that felt like. It's huge. I cried watching that. Of course. Yeah. When was the last time you saw something like that? 
I've been Canada? Doing anywhere. Actually, I don't think in my lifetime. Me neither. I've never seen it. And when was the last time you saw a prime minister come out of the House of Commons on the day Gore passes and break down and cry? You don't see that anywhere. Like, you don't see that anywhere for an artist. You never see that. That's, there's something really special about the relationship the hip had with and has with this country. Yeah. You know, you don't, a prime minister crying and everybody around the country like Trudeau or don't like Trudeau, we're like, yeah, I fucking get they it. They understood. Yeah, absolutely. I got it. I totally got it. I cried a ton during that last show. Do you think that Canadians were a little quiet about sharing the hip with the rest of the world? No, I think Canadians are pretty loud about yeah. the hip. I do. Yeah. I am too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so you... That's uh, one thing I liked about the book. You know, one of the things I really agreed with is that Canadians have this really strange mentality, which is if you don't make it in America, they don't think you didn't make, you're not a real deal. The hip made it in America. Yeah. Bands would kill to have the kinds of shows that the Tragically Hip had in America. But Canadians took this weird ownership over the band. And like, the amount of interviews I've done over the years where, where people would ask about the hip, they'd, it was always the conceit that the hip didn't make it in America. Which is a very Canadian is attitude. Do people care about that? Did that? I don't think I don't it affected it is. how they felt about that. Know, Canadians have a strange, strange view of their yes, own celebrities. Yes, for sure. But regarding the hip, I don't think, from my experience, I don't think people really were like, oh, therefore we must dismiss them. No, 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 the no, no one ever dismissed yeah. them. No, in fact, they blamed other countries right, for not getting it. Right, you guys are stupid. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, nobody dismissed the hip. The hip made it in America. The hip made it in America, played amazing shows in America. Uh, the hip mattered around the world. And you could see when that last show aired, people watched it from everywhere and not just Canadians. Mm -hmm. Even people who didn't know the band who watched that final show realized they were a part of something really special. Um, I was lucky enough to see the Secret Path shows afterwards. And those shows were unbelievable. Some of the most impactful time, you know, uh, I've ever spent watching music. And I think that this book captured a lot of that. That's why it was so emotional to read. So I have a Zoomer question. Okay, what is you a turned, Zoomer question? You turned 45 last year. Yes, yes. So that means you're officially a Zoomer. That is not true. That is well, a, yes, that it is, is a fake definition of what a boomer is. Well, we invented that, <laughs> That's right. that demo, that <laughs> definition, and therefore it is true. Um, so I you've worked it. in so many different roles in it. radio and TV. From Wait, so I'm officially a Zoomer? So what is Zoomer? Yeah. 45 to... 45 plus. 45 plus a Zoomer. 45 <laughs> till the ground. Till the ground. I love it. I feel like I'm 27 in my brain. Does that matter? Well, yeah, it absolutely matters. That's exactly uh, what we go for. Yeah. Um, so you've worked in so many different roles in media and, uh, you know, from music journalism to sports and now this Audible project. What other goals do you have in store in your career? The thing that I, 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 I dislike the most is when people say stay in your lane. You oh, know, for sure. I yeah, you can that. tell that about you. And I won't do it. <laughs> I don't like lanes. So my, I hope that, you know, when I was really little, my mother used to say to me, your world is a mansion, so don't just use two rooms. So I kind of look like I want to do all kinds of things and not just in media. Like I like being around lovely people who do lovely things. I like people who have a sense of community. I like art and shows that are connected to something bigger than just a moment. Fame isn't really anything other than an abstract, right? It's a bright light that's shone on you, and if you don't deflect it to areas that need it, you just burn up in the heat, and it's no good for anything. So I like being around. And you won't last either. Yeah. If you're trying to please everybody no, and just, yeah. You can't. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's not real, right? It's just a thing. Plus, everybody can be famous now. I, I, I was very lucky that I never got into this for profile. I got into this because I just liked the things that 
we spoke about or listened to or shared or ideas. So I keep going in that direction. We, we have a scripted business now that makes scripted things and another interview platform because it's just about humanity. I mean, that's one of the nice things about being 45 is that you kind of look around and go, oh, oh, who cares? Yeah. Like, who cares what anybody thinks? Like, who cares about anything other than be a good person, be a decent human being, do good work? Like, that's it, right? Do good work and good things follow. That's kind of where I think I've always been, but I know how to articulate it better. I've learned, I've learned what my role is, and I've learned that the more I do different things, the happier I'll be, the more I surround my, not even, and happy is not important to me. Vitality is important. If I live a vital life, I'm okay. You can't be happy all the time because you are going to love people and be loved by people who will suffer or, or you'll be in the world and you'll watch people suffer. And if you're happy in the face of their suffering, maybe you're not paying attention. So happiness isn't the goal for me. Vitality is the goal. So I'm always just looking for projects and people and teams to be a part of and things to do on my own where I can feel like there's a vital existence so I didn't waste my time here. That's kind of what I want to do. And as far as the career goes, I love it because, you know, we always want to be two weeks ahead of our time. You know, like, what happens to media now? TV's finished in the traditional sense. Radio is pretty much finished with the exception of local talk, hyper niche, political... online radio podcasts and stuff. Yeah, podcasts are changing, right? Like, there are, there are 400,000 podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. Actually, funny enough, if it wasn't for Audible, who sponsors most of them, that podcast business would crater. You know, like, there's... They're just, everything is hyper niche, which I think is kind of cool. YouTube is the best TV channel that has ever existed. And you, there are so many places to be if you create things. That's really exciting to me. I like being a part of it. And I feel like, um, I feel like it's like, this is always new. And finally, what do you hope uh, listeners will take away from the audiobook on Audible, Never Ending Present? It's a one-of-a-kind band. It's a one-of-a-kind band with a one Anything surprising that we would learn? I think people would be really surprised to learn about the early days and how this band came to be and, and the dynamic between the group. Like, staying together for all those years. I think the band will learn, too, that the hip are more than Gord Downey. Some people know that. But Gord gets a lot. When you're the front person, you're going to get a lot of attention, understandably so. But this band is that band because of the band. You take every, any member of that band out, and it's not the same thing. And also, his, he fed off of their energy. He oh, fed yeah. off their music. I yeah. Mean, Gord Sinclair is one of the most badass players on the planet. Like, badass. Paul Langlois is a killer harmony guy. Killer pieces, Robbie Baker, killer. Johnny Faye kept that fucking train rolling, you know, and did it well. It's, they are all so interesting, but together, because they've done solo stuff, right? And Gore did solo stuff, which is beautiful music. And, you know, I remember Paul Langlois came in, when I used to do this show in a broom closet, came in, great stuff. All really cool stuff individually. But when you get them together, that's the special stuff. And I've been lucky enough to cover music for a long time. And that alchemy is rare, rare. And to keep it going, rare, rarer still. Um, I really, really think that the story of the band 
sh is showcased in this as well, in this book. And I, I hope people, I think people will clue into that. And hopefully end up with a smile on their faces and not They will. It's, yeah, well, no, there's, there's a lot, it's pretty emotional um, for sure. Yeah, there will be, and also it's a lot of really great memories. Oh, okay. It's a lot of really great memories. And what's cool about this book too is, it's not just a book about the band. The way Michael got there was by including stories from a who's who of, of not just Canada, but around the world, musicians and artists and writers and producers. So they've got a lot of voices from this, or across the spectrum that are participating in this book. All right, George. Well, thank you so much for your time. Hey, no, thank you for your time. Oh, that was Thanks right. for being on Ages and Icons. I'm happy to be a part of it. Say hi to Mike. Hello, Mike. <laughs> hey, George. Sorry I couldn't be there. We'll be there next time. Yeah. I, I want to try this vegan cheeseburger, too. You've got me sort of craving it now, even though I'm not vegan. I'll tell you about it. Uh, I, I would plug them, but I can't even remember the name of yeah. the place. I'll have to look it up. Um, so that was my interview with George. How did I do, Mike? I, I think you are... are here I, go. I can't talk. <laughs> See, Mike is... <laughs> Mike, is that jealousy? <laughs> is it because a, because I might take over your interviewing? Here. No, I, I, you 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 are the master, Mike. I just tried. No, no, no. I no, no, no. I no. I, I will say this, I, and honestly, as as from you know what we do and we sit down, we interview different people. It is very difficult to sit in a room with somebody who you have not prepared to interview and be given questions written by somebody else, and then do the interview confidently. So that is all you that is that's all to your credit and i just added like one or two so um, yeah and, yeah and on top of it adding yeah. your own which is amazing you know, well that, as a conversation goes you know I'm, absolutely yeah I, i'm a conversationalist and um but i had to stick to the topics you know that we that we were there to talk about um but i do love gore downey so much yeah. and uh miss him and i also liked when he talked about how difficult it, it must be for a band who's had some huge hits right out the gate of, you know, um, um, early on in their career um, with Road Apples and Bullet completely being very early albums. And then uh, the fact that they released such incredible music at the end, George feels that it was kind of ignored by most uh, most of the country, most of people that claim to be fans. Yeah. Um, but not by me. I actually love their later stuff. So, um, um, you know, I highly recommend it. Well, listening it's an to their later stuff if you are a fan of the hip, especially you just, maybe you just know the earlier stuff. Get into their later albums because they're incredible. Yeah, and it's it's an evolution of a band, right? And that that happens with a lot of artists. And I mean, for example, I'm a big Elton John fan, but if you listen to something he released a, a couple of years ago, a "Wonderful Crazy Night," it's very different than uh, you know his early albums. Uh, so it, it that's it's to be expected. But the hip. Their popularity, I mean, at the end, it, it's not like everybody's like, oh, yeah, the Tragically Hip. That's right. That band. Oh, they're they're stopping touring. So like they were on top of the like they were the top of the heap right. and and went out on top, which is incredible. And we don't always get to say goodbye to our heroes and our our favorite artists before they're gone for good. Sometimes it's sudden and, and we don't get that chance. Uh, so, uh, you know, what a gift to Canada and, and to the band to be able to do that. Uh, now, obviously, the inevitable question, do you have a favorite hip song? A live version, this is my number one favorite, Locked in the Trunk of a Car, because, and I have a story behind it, and this is why I love it so much. I actually was in a trunk of a car when I heard the song for the first time. I was 14, <laughs> and my sister was sneaking me into the drive-in theater on um, Highway 7. It's no longer there. 
And she was sneaking me in because she had too many people in the car. And th- <laughs> they wouldn't let us in. I, I repeat, I was 14, I think, so or 15. And I went in the car, and they weren't supposed to close. You know, it was one of those cars where you can actually get through the trunk, yeah. through the back seat. Okay, so this is an old, old Chevrolet, like an 87 Chevrolet. A little one, a little small compact one. And um, um, so my sister's friends are all in the car, and everyone's in the car. It's just packed. And I'm in the trunk. And they were leaving the 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 seat open, Mike, a little bit, right? So you could Otherwise, breathe. So I could breathe. Yeah. And I could be in conversation with them and not feel so claustrophobic. <laughs> okay. Soon as we get up to the guy or maybe one car before we're about to get up to the the part where you go into the drive-in theater and you, you pay, um, someone closes the seat. I don't know who it was, but they closed the seat. <laughs> and Mike, I swear to God, I swear Locked in the trunk of the car, came on, and the speakers are in the trunk of the car or in the back or wherever. I could hear it so clearly. (laughs) And I flipped out. I flipped out. And um, I just, uh, and it was the best. And I was trying to keep calm because I didn't know if he was there. And I think I made it through maybe three minutes or four minutes and Gord starts improving about, you know, get me out of here. Get me. And I lost it. And I started, <laughs> I started kicking and punching the car. To, they had to pull over because the, obviously the guy outside could hear me. Yeah. But I couldn't hear anybody and I just lost my mind. Long story short, I snuck back in through when they, when we pulled over and, and the guy looked, the guy thought he was crazy because he saw nobody get out of the car. Yeah. And it was me. I went back through. They got me in. They opened it up. They go, get in, get in. And they pulled me in and into the car. So that's um, hilarious. I know. Yeah. So I uh, <laughs> love that. That's why I love that song and always well. What are the chances? Eh? And I used to go in the winter. I'm a huge drive in fan. But um, drive-ins were theaters outdoors, kids, yeah. just so you know. Uh, my favorite uh, hip song it was kind of cliche, but it's Bob Cajun because That's the best. Uh, my grandparents lived in Bob Cajun for many years, mm-hmm. and I would go up there. It was It's always been in my life my happy place. Not that I had a terrible life, but uh, I had a wonderful life, and it was even more wonderful there. And uh, I couldn't believe that there was – because when, when I was a kid, nobody ever heard of this, at least people that I knew, friends and family – Say where are you go- where where are you going to visit your grandparents? Bob, what you know? They they never knew, and so then all of a sudden there's this song called Bob Cajun, mm-hmm. and everybody's heard of it, and it always amazed me that this quiet, wonderful little town could be the subject of a hip song that is now one of the most popular hip songs. So I know it's kind of cliche to say that no. you like that hip song, but it's the best. There's a reason. That's great. So the book is on Audible. It's called Never Ending Present, narrated, uh, read by, sorry, read by, as George says, casually read by George Strombolopoulos. <laughs> George, thanks again for the interview. Michael Barclay for writing the book. Apparently, it's a, it's an incredible um, back backstory about the hip and, and all the members of the hip and and um, their struggles and their story. And, and um, hope you get a chance to check it out. And again, you can find this podcast, Ages and Icons, on everythingzoomer.com, as well as iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. And thank you uh, to you as well, Gina, for uh, filling in, being the superhero, and uh, mm-hmm. doing the interview on such short notice. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Ages and Icons.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.